So Money episode 1238, Ramit Sethi discussing his latest endeavor, a podcast called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, real stories about love and money from behind closed doors. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You have to remember that most people only talk about money when something has gone wrong. Oh my gosh, I wanted to spend time with our family. Well, that's too expensive. And what do we do when that happens? We find a solution to paper over it and we wait until the next time it blows up. And my approach with I Will Teach You Be Rich is that's not the kind of relationship I want with money. I want to have a space to talk about it when times are good. Welcome to So Money, everybody. Farnoosh Tarabi here. And joining us again today is Ramit Sethi, a friend. And he is unveiling a new podcast called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, Real Stories About Love and Money from Behind Closed Doors. The podcast invites you to listen in on some extremely intimate conversations that we probably would never hear anywhere else from one partner who discloses being $500,000 in debt and saying, hey, you know, actually money isn't really a problem for us, while the other partner cries to a couple that's saved millions, but they just can't enjoy it. Ramit always at the center, helping these couples find common ground. On today's episode, we discuss how to resolve financial problems in your relationship. What if you don't have the same definitions of what it means to live a rich life? What if you have different financial values? And what if your past keeps showing up in your present? Ramit is the author of the New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which has helped tens of millions of people live a rich life with their money, careers, business, and psychology. He hosts over a million readers on his site, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. His new podcast is the latest in the empire. Hope you'll subscribe. In the meantime, hang on. This is quite the episode. Here's Ramit. Ramit, Sethi, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is huge. You have been sucked into podcast land, my friend. You know, all my friends, including you, my podcast friends have been telling me for years and I don't know. I'm just slow. So it took me, what, 10 years to catch up to everybody. And I'm trying to trying to uh, do what I can in the podcast world with this new podcast I've got out. And specifically a podcast about couples and their money, which I have to give you so much credit uh, for this. This is a new frontier. Uh, we, we, we think we know what couples are experiencing with their money. We've seen a little bit of it on TV, maybe on like a talk show. I've interviewed many couples for my book, but usually just getting the woman's perspective or just the man's perspective. You have done something groundbreaking on your podcast, which is getting actual couples to come on almost like a therapy session. I was listening to the first episode, which I want to dig in with too, with you, but it feels like I'm listening to conversations that it's like, you know, when like a neighbor is fighting about money and you found like the crack in your wall that gives you all of the volume, that is what your podcast is. I feel like I, it's inappropriate to be listening to these conversations and yet I can't get enough of it. Well, thank you. Uh, I, most of us have never heard a couple talking about money behind closed doors. Never. And we've never heard them sharing actual numbers. 
and really talking at length. Uh, and I wanted that, you know, when I started, um, when I was dating my now wife, we started talking about money. Um, it was very complex and we started discussing a prenup. There was nobody I could turn to. There was no audio recording of that conversation that others have had. And then once we got married, then it became a different question. You know, how do we manage our day-to-day spending? How do we set up a rich life together, even though both of us think about money differently, even though both of us make different amounts of money? And again, I would have loved to have been able to hear another couple just like us, but that did not exist. And so thankfully, with my access to couples, they open up. They know that they can trust me because I'm there to help them. And so they tell everything. They share their net worth. They share how much they spent last month. They share their actual income levels. And you hear things that you would never, ever, ever be able to hear. How did you go about identifying these couples? I imagine you put out a request for applications, just like, you know, if I was casting for a reality show or finding the right couples who will go there with you, who will be transparent. I mean, some of them might think they know what they're getting themselves into and then they show up and they're like, wait, 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 this is more than I bargained for. How did you know when you had the right couples to interview? You know, there's a, there's a tactical answer and there's a bigger answer. So the tactical answer is that when we first started speaking to couples, it was very difficult to get them to open up. People don't want to talk about how much money they made. In fact, in my book, I cite a study where people would rather talk about their sex lives Mm -hmm. than how much credit card debt they have. So we did have to do some tactical work on how we find these couples and we refined our recruitment process a little bit. But I think that the bigger answer is really that I've been doing this for almost 20 years. And so you can go out and find me on any platform, on any TV show, And you can see, I'm not here to do a gotcha thing. I'm here to talk, real talk, no BS, no guilt. And I want to understand the psychology of money. And if people believe that you are there to help, which I am, they will open up and tell you everything. We know that when we're talking about money, we're really not talking about money. You know, we're talking about so many deeper layers of issues. And maybe we could take your first episode with Elon and Alyssa as the example to illustrate just how far off base we are. We think we're talking about the budget or your investing tendencies but there's so much more to our anger and our resentment. And, and so maybe we could dig into this and, and use Elon and Alyssa episode number one uh, and tell us what you learned from them. Sure. So on, on the first episode of the I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast, Elon and Alyssa uh, run a business together, a baklava business. And they were struggling because the business had taken off, but you know he didn't show up to certain plate like the farmer's market to sell and she was frustrated at that etc so they came to me seemingly thinking that they needed some business tips okay and so i spend most of the conversation asking them questions and i start off by asking them what's your rich life now this is a question that most of us have never been asked if you ever talk about money it's fighting oh my god i can't believe you spent that much or it's you know i don't want to talk about money because it makes me feel bad But I like to start with a positive side because I think money is a small but important part of a rich life. So what does that look like? What does that feel like? 
And, you know, I, there's a certain process to getting people to really tell you that beautiful texture of their rich life. Well, as we start to go on in the conversation, we discover so many layers, like almost peeling an onion. And we discover that Elon has a crypto uh, investment that he's spending his time on, and that Alyssa is frustrated because she doesn't feel listened to. And as you listen, even in the first five minutes of the episode, you hear Elon saying things like, she's not an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur. She can't fill my shoes. She feels that my shoes are too big for her to fill. Well, how do you think you're going to have a constructive conversation with your partner if those are the things you're hearing? So this is where we begin in this very, very fascinating conversation with Alyssa and Elon. Mm. One of the things that Alyssa said in that interview that I thought was really well, it was very, it was revelatory, frankly, was you had her kind of unpack her life a little bit, which is important. We do that on this show as well. We talk about, you know, our childhood, our life experiences, because it's not inconsequential to then your relationship with money. Uh, but something that was sort of real, it was like buried for her. It was traumatic. I mean, it's probably a good reason she didn't want to remember it, but it was that her father was an alcoholic. And as a result of that, he became where the family focused all their attention. And um, it was all about him and his needs. What were the dots that you connected there with her current marriage and the way that she relates to money and the way that she relates to money with her husband? Well, there are some obvious connections between her childhood role and her role today. And they involve tiptoeing around someone else's feelings, making your own feelings and desires less important. But in my role, what's important is for Alyssa to make those connections. I can't make those connections for her. Nobody can. What we do on this show in working with these different couples is to first give them a space to talk about money. You have to remember that most people only talk about money when something has gone wrong. Oh my gosh, I wanted to spend time with our family. Well, that's too expensive. And what do we do when that happens? We find a solution to paper over it and we wait until the next time it blows up. And my approach with I Will Teach You Be Rich is that's not the kind of relationship I want with money. I want to have a space to talk about it when times are good. So when we're feeling calm, we're both ready, we're, we've eaten, we've got a quiet place. Let's talk about what our rich life is. Let's talk about what I want. And then let me hear what you want. Right. Let's let's get those things out on the table. Now we can disagree. We will disagree, but most of us have never had the time. Once we have the time, hopefully we're able to start making those connections. Most of us, this is the second insight: is um, most of us believe that we are very rational robots about money. Well, I bought that shirt at this store because it has more threads and it's more valuable than the one at Old Navy. It's all bullshit. We are not rational robots. All you have to do is go look in your kitchen cabinet and you'll see you have Heinz ketchup. Why don't you just buy the generic one? It's cheaper. Oh no, Heinz, it's, it's got a better quality. What do you know about ketchup quality? You don't know anything. Okay? <laughs> you're, you're, you're buying Heinz because your parents bought it and they're buying it because their parents bought it. So, so many of us are guided by what I call invisible scripts from our childhood and it affects the way 
that we think about spending on travel or eating out or how much we save. And yet we don't make those connections. My job is to help you make those connections on this podcast. But don't tell my husband he's going to buy Skippy peanut butter. It's not happening. It's got to be Jif or nothing. It's Jif all the way in our house. And probably because his mom bought it for him. Ooh, I like it. I like that uh, solid belief in certain brands. Good for you. I am not allowed to come home with Costco brand, even though it's like so much more value. So you talk about finding these connections on your own. There's a lot of work too that's involved after you make these connections, then what, right? So Alyssa finds out, oh my gosh, I have been warped because I have, my childhood is showing up in my adulthood. I subconsciously perhaps. So now what's the work that she and her husband have to commit to? The The first thing is to start to build a practice of understanding what your rich life is. Do you know that when I ask people, what's your rich life? They almost never have a good answer. You know what their answers are? They go, and I'm going to tell you the answers in order because this is 95% of people. Number one, I want to do what I want when I want. I say, okay, what do you want? Silence. They have no answer because they've never thought beyond a trite phrase. Number two, I guess a million bucks. A million? Is that different if you live in Manhattan or you know Salt Lake City? Of course, 25, 65 years old, of course. A number is not a rich life. And in fact, what we discover is that most of the people who eventually get that number, it's not like the day they get a million dollars, they suddenly change the way they feel about money. No, they still feel anxious and guilty. And then number three and worst answer is, I just want to pay off my debt. That's not very inspirational. If you wake up every day and say, I just want to get to zero, (laughs) that's not a rich life. So the, the work is to first start by really defining your rich life. Here's what I would love to hear. They tell me, I like to travel more. Great. Where do you want to go? Uh, you know, just out where? I want to go to Bali. Love it. What seat do you want to sit in on the airplane? Okay, great. Where are you going to eat? Who are you taking with you? That is that beautiful texture of a rich life, the vivid reality of your example. Now, you may not be able to get to Bali tomorrow. It may take some time, both financially and also from a relationship perspective. But at least you have somewhere you're going, something that excites you. That's part one, just the vision part. And then part two is the mechanics, the nuts and bolts of how do we set up our money to work for us, to automatically go towards our Bali account. That part is the mechanics. But notice where I started. People want to come and they want to talk about, should I be investing in VT, SAX, blah, blah, blah. Let's first start with why are you investing? What's the Mm -hmm. point of this? And if you get that, then the mechanics are quite easy. If the two partners have different rich life definitions, Ramit, is that a non-starter? And as a follow-up to that question, if your approach to that rich life is different, in other words, you may be really risk-taking. And Elon in that episode, you know, I, I'm going to guess because he's investing in crypto and he's really passionate about entrepreneurship that he might be more risk-tolerant uh, versus his partner, his, his wife. So what if you don't have the same rich values or the rich goals? What's a rich life is different to you than your partner? And also how you go about uh, achieving that wealth is different. Your, your sensitivities are different. You don't have to have the same rich life. And this should be very freeing to everybody listening. 
you might say, part of my rich life is going skydiving. And your husband says, have a great time. I'll see you at the bottom when you get down. I do not want to do that. Okay. That is perfectly fine. My wife and I made a list. We our 10 year bucket list. What do we want to achieve in the next 10 years? And what was great was we each had some individual things that we want to do. And then we had some joint things that we want to do together. Okay. I'll give you an example. I want to write a book at a beautiful luxury hotel. It's, you know, it's just some, I love hotels and I want to wake up and then my bed is made and I go outside in the courtyard and write. That's great. Not of interest to my wife, but that's something that I want to do. Cool. Now your rich life can be different, but we also want to find the things that are joint together. And there's got to be at least one. Okay. And when I say rich life, I don't mean I'm going out to the corner pizza place on Friday night. That's not a rich life. That's, you're going to do that anyway. I want something that challenges you, that pushes you a little bit. Maybe it's we're both going to learn a language together. Okay. That doesn't necessarily have to be expensive, but it's going to take us working together a little bit, etc. Now, the second thing is values. If your values are different, that is going to be much, much harder. So you have certain values that say, you know, one person might say, I'm a low cost, long-term investor, right? I'm willing to be patient. If you have another person that says, I don't want to wait that much time. I want to put everything in crypto and I'm willing to accept risk, but I need to get rich quick. That's going to be very challenging for the two of you because you will see a million different financial decisions in different ways, not just your investments. Should you pay off your credit card debt? Should you buy this or that? Let's just get it and we'll figure out how to afford it later. I can always make more. Those are challenging things and you'll you'll be challenged. On the other hand, if you have a different rich life, totally fine. You don't have to overlap in everything, but the way you communicate, the systems you build can account for two different visions of a rich life as long as you have something together. So it sounds like you would agree that there are some financial deal breakers in a relationship, that yeah, but if there are some things you just can't agree on. Yes, although I, I don't really love the advice that you should sit down and have a conversation and you're going to, it's not realistic. Let's put it this way. You've been seeing someone for four years, you know, you're getting really serious and, and then you sit down and you go, tell me about your financial values. Most people don't even know how much salary costs at the grocery store, much less what their financial values are. They don't even know what a financial value is. So I don't think it's realistic to expect people to be able to explicitly write these things down and then decide, oh, I'm going to strategically break up with this person because they don't align on my financial value. Never going to happen. I do think you need to be eyes wide open. You're listening to this podcast right now. You're obviously interested in money. You know that money is a small but important part of a rich life. Look at your partner. How do they interact with money? What is their history? Ask them, when you sat down, when you were growing up, what did your parents tell you about money? Did they say, we don't talk about money in this household? Did they say, the rich are evil? They had to step on someone else to get there. A credit card debt is normal. Everybody's got it. What did they say? And then look at their finances. Talk about it. You will not get them to share their values because they don't know what their values are. Very few people do, but their values are expressed through their behavior and their phrases. Hmm. And that's how you can learn it. 
I recently spoke with a relationship expert on this podcast, and I asked her, what should people be looking for in a mate in terms of like any financial hints they can, you know, because as you said, you know, especially when you're just dating, you don't come at it directly and nor really should you. It's a bit off-putting. That said, keep your eyes open. And she said, keep your eyes open for generous acts, generosity, and not to say that he or she is overspending on you or is spending frivolously, doesn't care about money. That's not generous. Generosity is is an energy, right? Uh, and I liked that a lot. And I wonder um, what you might add to that or if you even agree with that. I think generosity is good. Um, uh, I think that um, I would be looking at what, what you know, I, I want to know what is your rich life? Because that is something you can ask as early as dating. Now, mm. let me give you a few sample answers. Let's say that somebody says, um, I just want to have um, six months of an emergency fund and I want to have my 401k maxed out. Okay, This is an actual DM I got yesterday from somebody who listened to my podcast and said, I tried to use your techniques with my wife and I asked her, what's your rich life? And she said, 401k maxed out six months. I said, okay, what then? He said, I didn't know how to go bigger than that. So the conversation just died. Now, what if your partner's vision is simply to have some money in a bank account? To me, that would be very difficult because to me, that's playing defense. You're going your whole life only stopping at what can go wrong. Okay, I have my emergency fund. I've protected myself. If it were me, I would ask my partner, what else? What then? So yeah, we're going to fill that up. No doubt. We're going to have the emergency fund. What else? And if their answer was, I don't know, that's it. Send my kids to college. Well, we don't even have kids. We're not going to have to do that for 25 years. What else? This would start a really nice conversation of what do you want to do with money? You know, we're working hard. We're saving it. What are we going to do with it? This is not a one-time conversation. For many people, this takes years. But that's a question I would be asking, which is, I don't want to be telling them this, the person who wrote me, his real problem was he kept telling his wife, mm -hmm. look at the math, look at the compound interest. Lecturing. Yeah. Lecture. Nobody wants to be lectured. And I understand this because in my early twenties, that's all I did. I lectured people about why well, you got to start a Roth IRA. Nobody gives a shit. They don't want to hear some guy or anybody telling you that. So instead, what I encouraged them to do- But wait, you shouldn't open up a Roth IRA? Hold on. Uh, I'm not getting into this. Read okay. the book. <laughs> what, what, I, what I asked him was, I said, you know, I tried to probe him. He wasn't getting there. I finally said, do you actually understand what your wife wants? And he was silent for a long time. Finally, he goes, I guess not. He had not really probed her and asked her, tell me about that. What does that mean to you to have six months of an emergency fund? And if you had that, how would you feel? Okay, what if you felt safe? What would you do then? And you have to remember that you have to go step by step because most of us have never thought about money in a positive way. We've only thought about playing defense, never offense. We are talking to Ramit. He has a new podcast. It's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Tell us what's in the pipeline. I understand you've also talked to couples that like are afraid to spend their money. They they have a lot of it and they yeah. don't know if they should spend it. They're afraid of that. Tell us some of the other profiles you've got in the works. We, we love the diversity of the couples that we've interviewed. So one of them that's so memorable is a couple where he 
compares the price of organic berries. He has two windows open, one Instacart and whatever the other window is. Uh-huh. And he's comparing, you know, the, okay, what's he saving? Five, 10 bucks, fine. Guess his net worth, Farnoosh. I mean, millions. I Over $5 million. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So if you can imagine, there I am listening. I got a big <laughs> bowl of popcorn and I get to ask all the questions you always oh my wish you could. <laughs> what are you doing? You made more an interest in the last sentence than those organic berries cost. But of course, once we get over the jokes, there's really something going on there. It's not just a math problem. He understands the math and so does his wife. She's very capable. Together, they are extremely sophisticated. It's a psychology problem. And so you have to remember that with money, uh, most people overvalue math and they undervalue psychology. So I get to come in and ask questions that get some thinking. That's a great couple. I can't wait to share that episode. And then we've got another couple, which is very memorable. They live on the Upper East Side. Their apartment costs $3,800 a month. And guess how much they make per year? Well, I'm guessing by your tone that they're overspending on rent. So some people who are in New York, they would say, you know, like- I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot in New York, but- Correct. But they have two kids. And so, you know, people would say, okay, they make 200, 250. You know, when you start to factor in stuff, well, they actually make about 75,000 per year. So they came to me thinking, you know, hey, I need him to help contribute with a hundred bucks a month because he's starting a business. Really, they're about two months from being essentially bankrupt. And as you listen, you realize that this is not just about money. It never is. There's something much deeper going on on both sides of the couple. And so that was a very difficult and challenging conversation. But wow, when you hear what happens, Mm -hmm. it unfolds in a way that you wouldn't believe. You know, going back to the the gentleman who makes who has a net worth of 5 million and he's comparing blueberry costs on Instacart. I, I wonder, you know, that's a personality trait that shows up in your financial life, but also in other realms yeah. of your life. Where were you seeing this obsession with digits or whatever the metaphor is here? You know, where was it showing up elsewhere? Oh, it's um, everywhere. I'll tell you right now. So, yeah. uh, you know, at I Will Teach You Be Rich, we believe that a rich life is lived outside of the spreadsheet. What does that mean? It means that at a certain point, you got your money working for you. You have automatic savings plan, automatic investments, and the temptation, this is for a lot of you finance nerds out there listening, a lot of folks in the FIRE community, if you're listening, you do not need to run your six millionth Monte Carlo simulation. Stop it. It's not going to tell you anything different. A rich life is lived outside the spreadsheet. That means... Turn the page of your life. Move on to the next chapter. You already won. You won the game of personal finance. You have enough. You know exactly when you're going to have 1 million, 5 million, 10 million, whatever. The real challenge for you now, which is uncomfortable, is to have to design and craft your rich life. So if you come and you want to talk about, well, look look at this investment. I think I should tweak my asset allocation from 80-20 to 79. I don't care about that anymore. You already won. Okay, that's a detail. What I really want to hear is, what do you want to do with your money? What are you, where are you going? Are you hiring help? Uh, What are you going to do to pay to make your life easier or donate more generously? Some of these folks, I give them exercises right there on the spot. 
And we talk about things like tipping. If you have a net worth of $8 million, perhaps you should set a rule that from now on, your minimum tip is $20. Minimum. Minimum. You go to get coffee, $20. Maybe that's a rule that you want to set up as a couple. Maybe you want to set up a rule that if your friends ever run a 5K, you're going to donate entirely to fill up their donation request. You have earned the right to be more generous and to be more thoughtful with your money. I remember because you've been on the show so many times, one of the rules you have is like, buy the book, just buy the book. spend the money on the book. Yeah, that's and, called- and I, I love that. Thank you. It's, and it's not just because I'm an author and, and you are too. It's that so many of us are obsessed with these $3 questions, but we really should be asking $30,000 or even $300,000 questions. Mm -hmm. So buy the book, get the pre-cut vegetables or the latte- but focus on the stuff that matters. In your early days, it's your asset allocation, your automatic investments. As you become more successful and more fluent with money, it becomes things like generosity and values and convenience and fitness and travel. Those things become important. Buy the book, download the podcast, subscribe to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Ramit, congratulations. I see Netflix in your future. I really think this show or, or whatever streaming service is lucky to have you, or maybe it's primetime television, uh, CBS, NBC, they're all worthy. But I think that what I'm hearing, I want to see too. I was like, what does this guy look like? You know, he's making baklava. You know, what are their facial reactions to each other when their parents, their partners are saying some of the craziest things. And what are you doing? Like, is your hair turning gray? Like what's going on? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for really leading the way, um, on a financial podcast. And I, I have to say that, um, this is like my dream job to be able to talk to people, not only about the technical parts of money, but the psychology of money and to be able to bring both of those things together. When you listen to these couples, you know, yes, it's entertaining, but I guarantee that once you listen to an episode, you're going to look at your partner or look at your friend or family member and say, oh my gosh. And then you're going to start having a conversation like you've never had about money before. Ramit, thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Ramit for joining us. The podcast is available everywhere, Apple, Spotify, and also at the I Will Teach You To Be Rich website. Go to IWT.com forward slash podcast. Send me your questions for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Fresh one will be delivered this Friday. You can send me your questions on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi, or you can go on the website, somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. Send it over there. Thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And I hope your day is so money. <laughs> <laughs>